0: We are talking with John Luckett. He is the CEO of the Raleigh Rescue Mission. John, thank you for joining us.
1: Christine, I'm glad to be here.
0: We are so honored to have you. By way of an introduction, let's talk a little bit about, we're going to talk very deeply about what is happening with the Raleigh Rescue Mission, what the Raleigh Rescue Mission does. But I think one of the really significant things is your personal story and what has brought you here to where you are today. I think a lot of people don't know that story. Would you mind sharing some of that with us?
1: Sure, I'd be glad to. I grew up in rural Mississippi during the 60s, a very difficult time in our culture. As you look back, as I look back, I see that God prepared me for what I'm doing now. But during that time, I did not see that. So one of the biggest things that kind of shaped my life was most people remember the three civil rights kids that were killed in 1964. That was about 30 minutes from where I lived in Mississippi. And so during that time, there was a lot of chaos. But during that time, there was a family That stood in the gap for my family that kept our house from being burned down and gave my dad a job. So that was a game changer. And so and as I went on through life, there were different situations with school teachers. I went to a segregated school. It was my first grade teacher who uh, taught me how to read and write. said, hey, you know what? You're going to do something great in life. These little people that come along and kind of give you that encouragement. There's other teachers. um, I remember the the teacher in in high school that said, hey, you know what? You need to go to college. I think you have the potential. Made sure I took the proper courses. And uh, so people came along in my life and they poured into my life expecting nothing in return. And that continued through my career, basically in college. Same thing happened. The big life changer for me also was after I graduated from college, I got involved in the banking industry, uh, which was great. Went through a management training program They teach you how to be a leader. They don't do that anymore. Thir- it was about 12-week class. That's huge for somebody who grew up on a farm in rural Mississippi. And then I think the biggest change was uh, a person took an interest in me and wrote a letter to a little small company called Chick-fil-A on my behalf, and I became a -A Chick-fil-A owner-operator. Huge changes. And so as I look back on my life, when I became a Wendy's franchisee and other things, I look back at my life, there were people who came along at the right appropriate time, stood in the gap, and helped me go to the next level in my career. So the reason I'm here, I feel like God called me to do that for the clients that come to us, to connect all the dots, to access to the business community, to the uh, housing community, to the transportation, getting a car. How do you do all those same things? And our clients are have the benefit of, of uh, uh, being connected to individuals in all those different fields because they are connected to the right rescue mission. So that's a little bit about it.
0: For the record, your character speaks for itself because you can teach someone how to manage and you can guide someone on how to be a leader, but mm-hmm. you can't really teach someone how to be a leader. You have to have that in yourself and obviously you have that in
1: yourself. Well, that's true. Now, there's a big debate. Are leaders born or are they made? I'm of the process they're made because you become like those you associate yourself with. I was one to true at Cathy's big statement. The books you read and the people you associate yourself with is who you're going to become. And so I truly believe uh, we have significant influence over individuals that we relate to.
0: And you talk a little bit about your background in Mississippi. I think a lot of people here that story, that Mississippi story, and they don't necessarily think that it has the import that it does because they don't realize how really, truly ingrained segregation and racism is, even still to this day in Mississippi, it's getting better. But I had the opportunity to work in Mississippi a few years ago, Mm -hmm. 2017, and I was working for a TV station at the time, and someone handed me a press release and said, we need to go cover this story. And I glanced at the press release. The press release was about covering a protest over the desegregation of a school in Cleveland, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. This was 2017. And so I looked at the person who handed me this piece of paper, and I said, ha-ha, you're making fun of the Yankee. Obviously, this is a joke. And they said, this is not a joke. We need to go cover this. And I said, it's 2017. How is it possible that there's a school that's segregated in Mississippi? And there was still a school that was segregated in Mississippi, in 2017. So I think the fact that you've come from that and you had people there who were willing to support you along the way is incredible. And, you know, you made it through that. That's just mind boggling.
1: Well, I I think it's great, but I, I think a lot of people overcome a lot of obstacles. But the key I want people to focus on is the good people that stand up to ensure that evil does not triumph. And that's the key. And there are a lot of good people. And I'm, I'm, I'm so excited as we talk more about the Raleigh Rescue Mission the people that started this organization and also continue to uh, make sure that we can give people new life through this organization. So
0: tell us about what the Raleigh Rescue Mission does now, because I think people think it's a shelter.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we've been around 62 years, a lot of. Iterations of that, and and when you look at the concept of shelter, at one time people thought that all you had to do was let a person sleep there a few nights, give them a few uh, meals, and uh, they would get back on their feet. Magic. Yeah, you know. Now one at one point in time in North Carolina, because of the the manufacturing industry and how robust it was, um, homeless was pretty short term. Okay, but things have changed over the last twenty years. So let me—I'm going to tell you a, a couple of things that have become more severe in our country, but also have, have impacted individuals that come to us. So we've heard of the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. These were women in top positions saying we're tired of these three things happening: sexual abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse—in order to get a job, keep a job and uh, and move up in a job. And so it was a big outcry. So we work with those that are at the bottom 1%. Think about how difficult it is for them. And so here's a list of a couple of things that the individuals um, that um, we deal with. Emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse as we talked about, emotional neglect, mother treated violently, household substance abuse. That is at an all-time high, as we know. Household mental illness. Uh, parental separation and divorce. So these are incarcerated people in households. So what you have is over the last 20 years or so, um, there has been a compounding of our whole country, not just these individuals. But what happens when you shake it out, the, the people that don't have intact family relationships and a support system fall out. And there's a lot more people falling out, uh, falling through the cracks than ever before. So that's that's who comes to us, and and we are a program where people choose to seek us out and um, and come to us.
0: So as we have an increasing population, especially in this area, more and more people obviously would are coming to you. Exactly. Do we know how many people are actually coming now?
1: So the the um, we we look at a lot of different uh, variables to come up with what we call the homeless population. The first one we go to is the Wake County public school system. They keep track of what they call situational or transitional children. These are individual children who they deem by the Federal government guidelines, McKinney-Vento Act, that are homeless. It's Just about 5,000 people right now as we speak. 5,000 kids. And then you add to that, on top of that, the adult guardians. And that's 5,000 in what area? In, in what? Wake County. In Wake County alone. In Wake County alone. Just the children. Just the children. And then so you have the guardians of those children because most of them have some type of guardian. So you say, what qualifies that? Well, one, they're either sleeping in their car. They're what's called sofa surfing, which is sleeping with multiple people one week at a time mm-hmm. or around. Or they're um, in some of the uh, low-rent motels where they pay week by week and so forth like that. And it's a combination of all three. It's not it's not just one thing that they're dealing with. And so, uh, and this is not even including a single women, and single men that are outside of that scope there. So when we look at that, we say, okay, uh, that's a large number of people. 7,000 estimated, some to 10 to 12. But then we say, okay, let, let's take away because you know how numbers are and everybody estimate there. But just this last year, we had 1,600 people inquire about our new life plan at the Raleigh Rescue Mission. And what is the new life plan? Our new life plan is a six-phase approach where we take a person that's experienced homelessness – all the way through to being in their own apartment with a job, with a car, and being stable. So we want to get them back into the mainstream. And so we, you know, we rely on our numbers. We, we take the inquiries. Uh, we have a very small facility. We can't, we can't afford to sleep sixteen hundred people. And this is
0: sixteen hundred in addition to the people who are already using your services. Yes,
1: that's right. These are these are individuals that are that are, are calling us. And so our new life plan is broken down into three big phases: restore uh reinvent and reentry so the restore phase is once you've been in this situation you've had a series of unfortunate events happen to you and you not have a uh you've lost a lot of your confidence and a lot of what we call resilience resilience is the ability to have hope after bad things has happened to you now we do know that our clients are are, are probably more resilient than I am because you know what they're saying you know what I'm going to give it one more chance i've tried a lot of things I've had a lot of bad things done to me, and I've made some bad decisions. But you know what? I heard about your program, so I'm going to give it one more try. And so we work them through this six-phase approach, primarily focusing on assisting them, supporting them. Uh, A a misunderstanding is that somehow because you're experiencing homelessness, you're you're ignorant or, or you're not intelligent. But that's not the case. You just don't have access and support system that many people need in order to be successful in their life.
0: So there's an old adage that says, you know, I think people have heard it before saying everyone is a paycheck away from homelessness. And you're what I hear you saying is everyone is a paycheck away from homelessness or a bad decision or two away from homelessness.
1: I, I would say so right because I think about it this way growing up in poverty and knowing that uh, you know that my parents were, were not going to be able to bail me out if I made a mistake or did all those kind of things there you're a little bit more careful about what you're doing you make sure you you save and you have that, and so as I've uh, as I've learned and grown, you know I built a system now with my kids that we've got multiple layers. If this happens, if this happens, you can always move back even us. Why? Because we're stable. But if you take that away from someone and they don't have any stability, they don't have anywhere to turn. That's a frightening situation. Uh, and so it's it's not only just a paycheck, but it's the relationship. I think that's what we underestimate, the relationship of people that are good, that you could go to, that you could stay with. If the, if your world just blew up, who would be those key people that you could turn to, family and friends? And when you take that away, most of our, our clients do not have that.
0: So a lot of people have said – I know Hillary Clinton took a lot of guff for this when she said it, but she – Obviously, with her book, It Takes a Village. For most people, that village is your immediate family. But if you don't have that immediate family, then you're right. You don't go. You have nowhere to go.
1: Exactly. And I'll tell you what. I I applaud the wisdom of the businessmen. Raleigh Rescue Mission is one of the few missions that were started by biz- local businessmen. And we had a reunion recently of all the board members and many of them, uh, uh, a few of them were still living, some of the younger ones were st- that started in were still living, some of the older ones were going on. But it was it was apparent that that's what it was. These men came together because they had connections and they said, you know what, we need to, we need to give access to other people that are without jobs and are in bad situations. And, and so the, the spirit and the idea, we've changed it up. We refined it. We've tried to make it more uh, customized to what's going on now than what was going on in 1961. But the same idea. And, you know who understands relationships more than business people right you can't you can't build a business without having good business relationship with bankers uh, uh, lawyers uh, all the accountants uh, obviously customers all of those things run together so managing those relationships and connectivity so we're so excited that Raleigh is a community that we, we believe that makes things happen uh, because of the way the business community works
0: and and how much of are you still seeing a lot of support from the business community
1: oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was just. Uh, we had a mentor uh, meeting last night, so we have mentors come in before our phase three, which is the part where we get down to finding jobs and coaching on that. And there were business people from multiple areas. I serve on several boards. Uh, people own their own business. People who have retired from pretty high level positions. It was just great to see our client interact with those people because they would never have the opportunity to interact with these type of individuals in a normal way.
0: And that's phase three of the new life plan. Mm-hmm. Okay, we are speaking with John Luckett. He is the CEO of the Raleigh Rescue Mission. When we come back, we'll talk about affordable housing in Raleigh and some other great things that the Raleigh Rescue Mission is doing.